Isaiah chapter 4. In that day shall the branch of the Lord be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the earth shall be excellent and calmly for them that are escaped of Israel. And it shall come to pass that he that is left in Zion and he that remaineth in Jerusalem shall be called holy, even every one that is written among the living in Jerusalem. When the Lord shall have washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion, and shall have purged the blood of Jerusalem from the midst thereof by the spirit of judgment and by the spirit of burning. Greetings. Welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean. Our website is scriptureandprophecy.com. That's where you go to find the archives. And that's where you go to support this mission of truth. Today we are resuming our study in the prophet Isaiah. We're looking at chapter 4 and 5 today. And like I've said every week so far, this is our third week. Each week I'm more astounded at what I'm reading compared to what I'm seeing in real time. It's amazing how similar these issues are. This is why the Word of God is a living text. Because what we have here, and it's even made obvious within the text, is Isaiah prophesying to a nation that had gone astray, that was being judged with a more severe and final judgment yet to come. But in the same sense, there's this idea of the future. And wherein this is also speaking to generations down the road. Because on one one hand, Isaiah will be talking about an issue within Jerusalem, but but then in the next breath, he's talking about the future kingdom. And it's no different with this. So here's here's kind of what's on the agenda for this morning. We're reading chapter 4, but it's only six verses. And really that's because it connects with chapter 3. So we're going to back up in chapter 3 just a few verses to get all the context. But the context from verse 13 in chapter 3 through chapter 4, which is only six verses, is dealing with the daughters, the women. How they have kind of left their role in the house and in society and and, and in religion and have usurped and positioned themselves above the men. And the nation is being judged as a result of that. And that's actually part of the judgment. Does that sound familiar? And then in the same sense, chapter 4 here is dealing with the branch of God. We know who that is. That's our Messiah. The branch of the Lord being glorified and how he's going to clean up that filth. This 
the thing about prophecy is in many cases there's the now like this is being prophesied over you right now and then the then fulfillment the now fulfillment and the then fulfillment and I really think that this study is timely and we're certainly seeing the now fulfillment begin so let's look at chapter 4 and 5 but we're going to start with verse 13 out of chapter 3 so we can get the full context here and let's see what the word of God has to say for us this morning so let's begin with chapter 3 verse 13 King James Bible Verse 13. The Lord standeth up to plead and standeth to judge the people. The Lord will enter into judgment with the ancients of his people and the princes thereof. For you have eaten up the vineyard. The spoil of the poor is in your houses. What mean ye that you beat my people to pieces and grind the faces of the poor, saith the Lord God of hosts? Moreover, the Lord saith, because the daughters of Zion are haughty and walk with stretched forth necks and wanton eyes, walking and mincing as they go and making a tinkling with their feet. Therefore the Lord will smite with a scab the crown of the head of the daughters of Zion, and the Lord will discover their secret parts. In that day the Lord will take away the bravery of their tinkling ornaments about their feet, and their calls and their round tires like the moon, the chains and the bracelets and the mufflers, the bonnets and the ornaments of the legs, and the headbands, and the tablets, and the earrings, the rings, and nose jewels, the changeable suits of apparel, and the mantles, and the wimples, and the crisping pins, the glasses, and the fine linen, and the hoods, and the veils. And it shall come to pass instead of a sweet smell there shall be stink and instead of a girdle of a rent and instead of a well set hair baldness and instead of a stomacher a girding of sackcloth and burning instead of beauty thy men shall fall by the sword thy mighty in the war and her gates shall lament and mourn and she shall be desolate and shall sit upon the ground. So please note, that's the last three, 13 verses of Isaiah. Notice he says the women, they, they've got their head lifted up high. They're haughty. They're obviously just self-absorbed. He's saying, I'm going to take away the bravery. Like right now, you just... You, th- you think you're so brave, you th- you're ruling over the men. Here's what happens when war begins. Notice it says that your men are going to be taken away by the sword. You see, imagine our culture here in the United States as an example. 
where we have this exact same issue. Now imagine war breaks out, an invasion happens. Who's, who's the ones who are going to have to move to the front line to defend and protect? What will happen to all the haughty, high-minded, arrogant women at that moment? Their bravery suddenly going to vanish, isn't it? Suddenly they're going to be looking to the men to protect. Same issue here. The invasion happens. That bravery, that lifting my head up high, goes away. Now the men move to the front line to have to defend. And of course they're being slaughtered by the sword. As part of the judgment, which further removes that haughtiness, that bravery. Possessed by the women at that time. I know this is offensive to some, but this is what's happening in Isaiah's day. Is it that hard to imagine it in our own? Now, chapter four is only six verses, but it's a continuation of this thought, but not just this thought. There's also the future kingdom that you will see in the text here. So let's look at these six verses and then we'll get to chapter five. And in that day, that day being what we just talked about in these last 13 verses. And that day, seven women shall take hold of one man, saying, We will eat our own bread and wear our own apparel. Only let us be called by thy name to take away our reproach. So you see, when that happens, there won't be many men left. So there'll be seven women clinging to one man. And in that day, seven women shall take hold of one man, saying, We will eat our own bread and wear our own apparel. Only let us be called by the name to take away our reproach. So see, this happened. This literally happened. It was literally fulfilled in Isaiah's day. But again, we're looking at also future fulfillments because look at verse 2 through 6. In that day shall the branch of the Lord be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the earth will be excellent and comely for them that escaped of Israel. So this is talking about after the judgment. And it shall come to pass that he that is left in Zion and he that remaineth in Jerusalem shall be called holy, even every one that is written among the living in Jerusalem. When the Lord shall have washed the filth of the daughters of Zion and shall have purged the blood of Jerusalem from the midst thereof by the spirit of judgment and by the spirit of burning. And the Lord will create upon every dwelling place of Mount Zion and upon her assemblies a cloud and smoke by day and a shining, a flaming fire by night. For upon all the glory shall be a defense. And there shall be a tabernacle for a shadow in the daytime from the heat and for a place of refuge and for a covert from storm and from rain. And that's chapter 4. Now before we get into chapter 5, which deals with six woes that come upon Israel, and when we read through those the judgments and the purpose of those judgments, if you're... If you're like me, you're, you're not going to be able to escape the familiarity with the time that we're living in. Before we get into that, I just want to read this paragraph from F.B. Meyer. It's a commentary 
on Isaiah three thirteen through 4 that we just read. Here's his commentary of what's taking place. He says this paragraph opens with the majestic figure of Jehovah himself who arises to judge the misrulers and plead the cause of the poor. The prophet enumerates the trinkets of the women of Israel who had given themselves up to the luxury to luxury and corruption. Woman is the priestess and prophetess of the home and religion, and when she forsakes the level of spiritual influence for that of physical adornment, the salt has lost its savor, and the whole commonwealth suffers. The manhood of the land is lost morally and spiritually when woman falls from her high estate and there could be no hope for her, for Jerusalem, until the divine fire had consumed the filth of her daughters and the oppressive selfishness of her sons. Then, once more, each home in Jerusalem would have the same blessed signs of divine presence as had once been granted to the tabernacle, the shadowing cloud by day and the gleam of the Shekinah fire by night. Let us claim these for our homes also. You see, one of the things that's happened in modern times is not just the deception of men, brought upon men, that's kind of caused them to fall away from what their estate is, but also of the woman. And what's not understood by women in our culture is not just their role, because when you say the role, they find that offensive and they instantly get worked up, but rather how, how much is held together by a godly woman in who has, who has joyfully kind of taken on that God given role. F.B. Meyer makes the point that the manhood of the land is lost morally and spiritually when woman falls from her high estate. He says she's the priestess and the prophetess of the home. There's so much that hinges on all of that. And when, and when the woman removes herself from that place, everything kind of falls apart where the family is concerned the development of the children, you know, just everything. God has a design and it's very delicate and it requires both men and women to live out the role that God has given to them. And when one or the other fails to do so or both, the whole family unit is destroyed. And when the family unit is destroyed, you have a nation of individuals who only think of themselves. Just, just take a look. This is what you get. What we have right now. And it was no different in Jerusalem at that time. Remember, it says that they had went the way of Sodom and were happy about it. Like, weren't even... They weren't even, like, 
ashamed of their behavior. Let's get to chapter five here and see if it doesn't see if it doesn't speak to you. See if it doesn't look like what you're seeing right now. Let's begin. Chapter five. Verse one. Now I will sing to my well-beloved a song of my well-beloved touching his vineyard. My well-beloved hath a vineyard in a very fruitful hill. And he fenced it, and he gathered out the stones thereof, and planted it with the choicest wine, and built a tower in the midst of it, and also made a winepress therein, and looked that it should bring forth grapes. And it brought forth wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem, and men of Judah, judge, I pray you between me and my vineyard, what could have been done more to my vineyard that I have not done in it? Wherefore, when I looked that it should bring forth grapes, brought it forth wild grapes. And now go to, and I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away the hedge thereof. It should be eaten up and break down the wall thereof, and it should be trodden down. Please note, God's referring to his people as his vineyard. But because it's not producing grapes, rather wild grapes, he's removing that hedge of protection. This is the first stage of judgment, right? You once had a great hedge of protection about you lifted. Verse 6, And I will lay it waste. It shall not be pruned nor digged. But there shall come up berries and thorns. And I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah his pleasant plant. And he looked for judgment, but behold, oppression for righteousness. But behold, a cry. Here come six woes. Listen to them carefully. Verse 8. Woe unto them that join house to house, that they lay field to field, till there be no place, that they may be placed alone in the midst of the earth. Please note, I'm sorry to interrupt, this is something we're seeing in our day. All, I don't know, this verse is saying, woe, here's the judgment, and here's why, because they're basically buying up everything, combining field and field and house and house so that they can rule over it all. Meanwhile, the poor and the average person are just kind of hosed, right? Right now in the United States, a majority of the farmland is actually owned by one elite person. I also don't know if you've seen, but there's advertisements and commercials and all these things happening all all day, every day. Offering to buy your house. You want to sell your house? Just call this number and get an instant offer. Have you noticed these things? It's because everything is being combined and purchased and bought up so that nobody owns anything except for the elite who own all things. This is what was also happening in Jerusalem at this time, and God is judging them for this. Woe unto them that join house to house 
that lay field to field till there is no place, that they may be placed alone in the midst of the earth. Verse 9, In my ears, said the Lord of hosts, of a truth, many houses shall be desolate, even great and fair without inhabitant. Yea, ten acres of a vineyard shall yield one bath, and the seed of a homer shall yield an ephah. Second woe. Woe unto them that rise up early in the morning, that they may follow strong drink, that continue until night, till wine inflame them. And the harp, and the voile, and the tabret, and the pipe, and the wine, and in their feast, but they regard not the work of the Lord, neither consider the operation of his hands. Therefore my people are gone into captivity, because they have no knowledge. And their honorable men are famished, and their multitude dried up with thirst. So please note, one of the issues is that the people are ignorant. They don't have any knowledge, and the righteous men are just worn down. They're just worn out. They've been fighting this evil for so long, they just don't have any strength left. Their honorable men are famished, it says. Therefore hell hath enlarged herself, and opened her mouth without measure, and their glory, and their multitude, and their pomp, and he that rejoices shall descend into it. And the mean man shall be brought down, and the mighty man shall be humbled, and the eyes of the lofty shall be humbled. But the Lord of hosts shall be exalted in judgment, and God that is holy shall be sanctified. And righteousness. Then shall the lambs feed after their manner, and the waste place of the fat ones shall strangers eat. You see, they're doing all this evil, and they're oppressing the poor, but God's going to judge it and destroy it all. Just like what's going to happen in our day. They're probably going to continue to get away with this evil, and it's going to continue to be unimaginable. But then God's going to burn it down. And the righteous will inherit the earth. So right now they're buying everything up. They're poisoning everybody. They're doing all this wickedness. It's all going to come crashing down on their own heads. It's all for nothing. It's all vanity. All this evil plotting. and It's all coming down. Next woe, verse 18. Woe unto them that draw iniquity with cords of vanity, and sin, as it were, with a carp rope, that say, Let him make speed and hasten his work, that we may see it, and let the counsel of the Holy One of Israel draw nigh to come, that we may know it. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Woe unto them that are mighty to drink wine and men of strength to mingle strong drink, which justify the wicked for reward and take away the righteousness of the righteous from him. So God's talking about how they rush towards sin like, like a rope's tied to it, and they're pulling it to themselves. 
Everything evil they say is good. Everything good they say is evil. And they justify it. Look. Which justify the wicked for reward. They're, they're given a badge of honor for their wickedness. Does this sound familiar? Verse 24. Therefore as a fire devoureth stubble, and the flame consumeth the chaff, so their root shall be as rottenness, and their bosom shall go up as dust, because they have cast away the law of the Lord of hosts, and despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. Therefore is the anger of the Lord kindled against this people, and he hath stretched forth his hands against them, and hath smitten them, and the hills did tremble, and their carcasses were torn in the midst of the streets. For all this his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. And he will lift up and ensign to the nations from far, and will hiss unto them from the end of the earth. And behold, they shall come with speed swiftly. None shall be weary nor stumble among them. None shall slumber nor sleep. Neither shall the girdle of their loins be loosed, nor the latchet of their shoes broken, whose arrows are sharp. All their bows bent, their horses' hoofs shall be counted like flint, and their wheels like a whirlwind. Their roaring shall be like a lion. They shall war like young lions, yea, they shall war and lay hold of the prey, and shall carry it away safe, and none shall deliver it. And in that day they shall roar against them like the roaring of the sea. And if one looks unto the land, behold, darkness and sorrow, and the light is darkened in the heavens thereof. that, my friends, is a very sobering chapter 4 and chapter 5. My prayer is that this is piercing hearts and causing you to really look in the mirror about your own behavior and attitude towards God. Oh, that we would take holiness serious again. Oh, that we would actually have the proper reverence and fear for God. He is the strong tower. A time of shaking is coming. Anything that can be shaken will be shaken so that what remains is the only thing that can't be shaken which is the things of God. Everything else, shaken to the ground. The Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into him and they are saved. If it comes crashing down tomorrow and you're on the fence about your relationship with God, that's not going to be good. Get that in your hearts and resolved now. Get serious about your relationship with the Savior. We don't want to be like that evil servant that Jesus talks about in his parables who says, I guess the Lord has delayed and is coming and he goes back to his sinful life. He's drinking with the drunkards and partying and acting a fool and then the Lord returns. 
catches him off guard. And his portion ends up with the hypocrites. Get serious about your relationship with God. I pray in the powerful name of Jesus that you've been blessed, strengthened, encouraged, or maybe even convicted this morning. Thank you for listening. Peace and grace be with all of you. And until next time, God bless.